Yeah, thank you guys. And thank you, Aiden King. He'll be here um, leading our worship for Reality Weekend. So if you have a student, yeah, he'll be back for that. But I am so grateful that you are here to celebrate Thanksgiving with us. It's so good to be together. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. We're just stopping right now. We're pausing to say thank you. Help us to redirect our thoughts away from the busyness of preparations for a holiday, a great holiday, but just get our eyes on you, the true source of everything, and help us to, with our minds, our hearts, our bodies, give thanks to you. We love you. In your precious name we pray, Lord Jesus, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Really, what a great idea for a holiday, right? I mean, happy Thanksgiving, a day set aside just to give thanks. I heard about a fifth grader who was at school and asked to give um, an account of what is Thanksgiving. And he wasn't sure exactly what he could say, knew he needed to be politically correct, which even our fifth graders know. And he said, well, Uh, It's a day when, well, there were some people who actually were looking for freedom of you-know-what. And so they uh, came over and they settled and things went pretty good. And so they had a big feast because they wanted to thank you-know-who. And now because of that, we can go you-know-where on Sunday to give our thanks Well, we don't have to hold back in any way. We can say, hey, happy Thanksgiving. We are celebrating what God has done for us. And that's what we're going to do today is we wanted to take a moment to gather together and give thanks because in the busyness, a lot of you may have family coming in to town. Uh, Maybe you're here visiting family. It's easy to get so caught up in all the preparations and everything that's going on that we leave the thanksgiving, giving thanks, just to 30 seconds um, before a meal when the kids are all yelling. And so we wanted to stop today and really give thanks to put the big thing in first um, so that we will not leave this place without truly giving thanks to our Creator. And there's a few things that we want to thank God for today. This service will be a little bit different because we're going to intersperse worship with it, give you a chance to worship and sing during the service several times as we give thanks. And so the first thing we want to give thanks to God for is to thank Him for His presence. Thank God for His presence. God is with us. What an astounding truth. You may have heard that said so often, well, God is with us, that you've missed uh, how incredible it is. And we, we begin to take it for granted. So let's just stop and remember what's at the heart of the whole gospel message, which is that Jesus was called Emmanuel, which literally means God with us. And what's even more incredible is that he's not just with us in those rare moments when we act or say or do something loving. No, He's with us always. Jesus said in Matthew 28, verse 20, I will be with you always, even until the end of the world. God is always with you. He's always with me, and he wants us to remember that so that we can draw comfort and strength and courage from his nearness. 
I was reminded of this last month when Carrie and I went to Yellowstone for the first time. I'd seen National Parks documentaries and it showed all this amazing beauty and incredible wildlife. And I envisioned Carrie and I happily hiking through the forest and eating picnic lunches next to babbling streams. We were gonna walk hand in hand through the meadows at sunset. It was almost like that. But uh, what really happened was we went to the airport, we landed um, nearby, and I saw a sign right where you go pick up your luggage, and it said, rent your bear spray here. I thought, bear spray? Is that a joke? Yeah, bear spray. I mean, I'm not crazy. I'm not going to be hiking out just way off in the wilderness by myself. We drove to Yellowstone and saw signs everywhere along the road, I mean, on the highway, saying what to do in case of a bear encounter. I thought, wait a minute. Hold on, now you have my attention. Because uh, they really think this is something everybody needs to know. So as soon as we got to uh, the place we were staying, which is a hotel inside the, inside the National Park, we went over to the information center. because so I thought, let's go to this information center and get some of this bear spray. Because I actually saw people walking around with cans attached to their belt. And so I went in. Turns out they didn't have any bear spray. But they did have a book I picked up. I do not recommend this. But I picked up a book there um, that was called Death in Yellowstone. And... I don't know what I was thinking because, I mean, instead of coming out with bear spray, I came out with this book, and by the next morning, bears were no longer the focus of my fear. <laughs> I'd, I'd read of all these true encounters of all kinds of things that could go wrong. And for one thing, bison caused way more injuries, as many deaths, and I'd never seen a bear, but I'd seen lots of bison. There are all kinds of things to be concerned about. And all the wildlife wisdom pointed to two things that you need to do to keep yourself safe, two proactive things. First, never go alone, don't hike alone. And secondly, make noise. Don't surprise the bears, the bison, whatever's out there. And so I told Carrie, hey, this is great. You are in luck because I can talk nonstop and I'll be helping you stay safe. And you know, Carrie's like, yes, great, that's awesome. And every day of our trip, we hiked. And I got a little more confident, a little more confident. We'd hike farther and farther. We hike miles every day. It's beautiful. We get farther and farther from home base. And on the last evening, we ended up uncomfortably far away from civilization when the sun went down. Now, at this point, I was tired. I was cold. I was out of energy. I was out of oxygen because I live at sea level and I like it here. And there's just not as much oxygen when you get up there in the altitude and we're hiking up and down hills. And if it was any worse though, this situation was totally my fault because Carrie had said earlier, hey, we'd better head back. The sun's going down soon. And I said, no, it's our last day. Wait, let's go to this one more place. Sure, it's in the wrong direction, but it's gonna be great. We'll just walk fast. It'll be awesome. And so now I'm in this horrible position of being really uncomfortable and not feeling like I had the right to complain about it. And so as we trudged along in the near dark, I just was steadily kind of increasing in fear. It was dark and there's woods on both sides of the trail. I don't know what's in there. And you know, I'm running all these things through my mind. Again, do not recommend getting the book. 
I had all these scenarios playing, and just when I'd resigned myself to being either gored or eaten, Carrie did something that was really great. He started singing. He started singing loudly. Now, in the past, you may have heard Carrie make self-deprecating remarks about being tone deaf, and I can promise you they're all true. <laughs> but in that hour, that last hour trying to hike back, his songs were the sweetest I had ever heard. It was great. And he, sang, he just belted out every 70s hit, every silly song he could think of. All the words were mangled, but I didn't care. He was keeping bears and bison away from us. And I felt this surge of comfort and confidence and gratitude because I knew that he was doing this for me. He was covering us with his protection. He, was, uh, he had more air than me, apparently, at that point. He knew me well enough, after 38 years of marriage, he knew me well enough to know that I was uncomfortable and cold and also stubborn enough to not want to actually say, uh, yeah, we're, this is my fault. And he knew that I would be feeling this way, and so he just started belting out songs. And in that moment, as we're going down the trail, this verse came to my mind. It's in Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17, and says, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. And just that thought, that picture came to my mind of the Lord singing over us, singing over me. And I want you to know that whatever trail you're climbing today, you are not alone. There is someone braver, someone stronger than you that is right there with you. The one who knows you the very best is right there singing over you. Now, not being able to see him with our physical eyes makes this promise no less true. That'd be like denying that wind is real. We don't have to see the wind. We see its effect. We know wind is a real thing. If you've been through a hurricane in Houston, you know it. Wind is a real thing. If you have ever put on sunscreen or trusted in the results of an x-ray, or if you have a basic understanding of how a dog whistle works, then you clearly don't have a problem accepting some very real things that we are unable to see or hear or touch or smell with our physical bodies. The Lord of creation is singing over you today. And he's singing the very song that you need to hear. And so as we kick off our Thanksgiving celebration, let's sing our praise back to him and thank God for his nearness. You can be seated. Isn't it good to sing worship, sing praise to the Lord? Well, we're not done with it yet, but I want you to stop and imagine with me that you are holding right now your very favorite kind of donut in your hands. Got that? I mean, it, maybe, it's, maybe it's red with sprinkles or, or white iced. I personally like chocolate. And I want you to imagine you have your favorite kind in your hands right now. Yeah, there's going to be a long line at the donut store after this, huh? I have a question for you. When you look at that donut in your hand, that imaginary donut, when you take a bite of a donut, 
do you think, hold it, wait a minute, I'm not accepting this. What's going on? It has a hole in it. They gave me a faulty donut. It has a hole. I mean, have you ever reacted that way? Not me. I have never been handed the missing hole from the donut. I've never been given a donut plus the donut hole that came from it. I've always just gotten an empty donut hole in the middle, just all empty there. And it's never once kept me from enjoying every single bite of my donut. It never stops me. But I'm afraid too often that is not how I respond to real life situations. Because a lot of days I spend my time focusing on the whole, on the missing part. And I fail to appreciate or enjoy what I do have. And that leads to another thing that we want to stop and thank God for today. And that is to thank God for his goodness. Now I want you to think of the donut as what you have and the donut whole as what you're missing, the thing that's missing out of what you have. Now, in our culture, it's really easy to focus on the donut hole, on the thing we're lacking. All advertising, much of TV and social media are geared to making us think that we have some kind of deficit, that we are owed something that we haven't been given yet. Maybe it's not enough money. You see a car with all the bells and whistles, and you say, wait a minute, hold it. Wait, why don't I have a car like that? My car does nothing like that. It, it looks nothing like it. It doesn't have you know, all the, the speed, the looks. Something's wrong. Or maybe it's status symbols. Maybe it's relationships. You think, wait a minute, my marriage isn't like that. My kids aren't like that. Maybe it's some kind of beauty thing. And you think, wait, I don't look like that. They show us the hole in our own donut. And so we just... We look through it, don't we? We just stare through the middle of our donut and look at what other people have and ignore what we personally have. You know, I, I didn't even know my lashes weren't long enough until I was shown what other people had. That whole thing going around. I, to be honest, I can't even blame my tendency to stare through the donut hole on media because I can do dissatisfied all by myself. Just the other day, I cut my finger, the tip of my finger. No stitches. Wasn't that bad? It was just bad enough to be super annoying because you never appreciate all the things that you touch with the tip of your index finger until it hurts. And then suddenly, everyday stuff was a problem, an annoyance. I was constantly going, ouch, ouch, ouch. Whether I was washing my hair or typing on a keyboard or cutting a lemon, I thought, what is the problem? Why do I have to deal with this? It's so annoying. Well, now it's healed. But do you think that I have stopped one time to say, wow, my finger feels so good today. This is awesome. Do you think that every time I touch something, I stop to appreciate, wow, that didn't hurt at all? No way. No way. That's because I think that apparently that goodness is what I am owed, what I deserve. I take it for granted. When things go well, when my finger doesn't hurt, I just take it for granted. I don't appreciate it. Can you relate to that at all? I mean, our cars will start 500 days in a row, and on the 501st day, the battery's dead, and we think, what's going on? Well, this is all I needed. But never thought all the days I just jumped in the car to say, wow, 
Thank you, God, that I have transportation. Thank you that I have a job to drive to. Or thank you that I have children to take to school. Thank you that there is education, that there is a school I can take them to. Thank you as I drive to the grocery store that I live in a, in a place, in a country where there is plenty of food. Thank you that I have the ability to buy it. It could go on and on and on. We don't ever have to worry about having enough food for the next meal. I've never been in that position, although most of the world has been. But I can sure complain when I have to make it or I don't have one ingredient I need. You know, it's so easy to have small things happen, small annoyances, and those are triggers to feeling hurt, left out, feeling like we don't have enough, feeling that we're less than. And let me tell you, there's a key to changing our thinking and recognizing God's goodness, and it's this. Using those triggers of hard things as a trigger, instead of a trigger to complain, a trigger to praise. Flip the script and seeing things in their true light. Now, when Moses was asked by God at the burning bush to lead the people out of out of captivity. Not really, you know, just asked, but commanded. This is what you're going to do, Moses. And Moses had all kinds of reasons that he was not a, the guy for the job. You know, I don't speak well. This is a problem. You know, not me, God. Not me. And in response, God asked Moses a simple question. In Exodus 4.2, it's recorded. Then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. A staff, basically a walking stick. So he's complaining, and God doesn't answer the complaints. He just says, what's in your hand? God shifts Moses' attention away from what he doesn't have and his anxiety about the future and suggests that he notices what's right in front of him. Well, what do you have? What do you have, Moses? And then God uses that ordinary staff to do miraculous things. And the more we learn about how our brains work, the more we see the brilliance of God's word regarding our minds and our emotions. Scientists continue to make groundbreaking discoveries about the neuroplasticity of our brains, that our brains actually are changeable. We can change the way we think. In fact, neuroscientist Rick Hansen puts it this way, the brain takes the shape that the mind rests upon. That is incredible, isn't it? Think about it. What does your mind rest upon? Does it rest upon worries? Does it rest upon fear? Well, that is the shape your brain is going to take. And God in his brilliance, I mean, doesn't it make sense then that he, the one who designed our brains and Moses' brain, would lovingly instruct us to turn our focus away from worry, away from fear, and toward the reality of his goodness. He says, what's right in front of you? Whatever it is, I can work with it. Whatever it is, it's enough. All throughout Scripture, very ordinary things are used in a miraculous, glorious way, all because God got involved. And this Thanksgiving, we want to turn our gaze to what God has given us and give Him thanks for us. Give Him thanks for what He's given us. Let's open our eyes and see the donut that is in our hand. God simply wants us to recognize that he has provided and to know that however much or little it is, it's enough. It is enough that he will use whatever it is he has already given you to do great things in your life. Maybe today you're at a place that is truly agonizing, a really hard place. 
and you're struggling this Thanksgiving to sing of God's goodness, to, to give him thanks. Well, I want to share these verses with you in Habakkuk that, um, that speak directly to your spot where you're at. It says this, though the cherry trees don't blossom and the strawberries don't ripen, though the apples are worm-eaten and the wheat fields stunted, though the sheep pens are sheepless and the cattle barns empty, I'm singing joyful praise to God. I'm turning cartwheels of joy to my Savior God, counting on God's rule to prevail. I take heart and gain strength. I run like a deer. I feel like I'm king of the mountain. Did you know that it's possible to praise right in the middle of the hardest situation? And that's really the heart of praise. Really, anybody can say thank you after they've been given a great gift. But to say thank you, to say thank you and you are good, even when things hurt, desperately hurt, well, that's faith. And that's true praise. Many of you know that my mom died when I was a teenager. And for, for years, every time I saw a mother and daughter, or there's Mother's Day, or you know, I, there was a, I, I couldn't get a present for my mom at Christmas, all the things that would happen, so many triggers throughout the year, little things, big things, it would give me a sense of dissatisfaction, of hurt, of why me, God? And then somewhere along the road, God taught me to turn those triggers to thankfulness. And now, when I see a mother and a daughter, when Mother's Day comes around, when there's something that I would love to show my mom about our kids, her grandkids, her great-grandchildren, I think, wow, why me? Why did I get to have such an awesome mom? And for so many years, so many people don't have that. I thank you for her. Thank you, Lord. And thank you that I get to see her again one day. This isn't denying hard stuff. This is not looking through rose-colored glasses. This is saying, yeah, there's incredibly, agonizingly hard stuff in this world. But it is not going to stop me from seeing the goodness of the Lord. And honestly, the biggest surprise to me isn't that bad things happen in this broken world. It's that good ever does. Is that good is constantly breaking through over and over. We just fail to see it. We fail to recognize it. The very heart of praise is praising God in spite of the pain. It's thanking God during the trial. It's trusting him during the temptation, while you're being tempted and saying, thank you, God, I see a way out. I'm taking it. I'm running. It's surrendering when you don't see any way this is going to turn out anything like what you had hoped. It's trusting in the, the Father who made you, the one who loves you, the one who's calling to you, trusting that he is good He's the only source of good and that he will guide you and provide for you moment by moment by moment. And so let's stand and sing of God's goodness. You can be seated. Don't you just want these guys to come stand around your Thanksgiving table, celebrate with you? And the third thing, third and final thing we want to thank God for today is to thank him for his love. 
If you have ever been in a courtroom, whether as a defendant or a juror or as an attorney, maybe you just watch a lot of court TV, you know what the atmosphere is generally like in a typical courtroom. It's humming with hushed tension. and Everyone is anxiously awaiting news of their particular case. And you don't really know if the other people, uh, strangers you see in the room are on your side or the other side. And the judge is feared and, if possible, avoided. But a couple days ago, I had a really unusual experience at the courthouse. I went to the courthouse in our local area, and I went through the metal detectors, and I headed to the courtroom, and there was just a festive atmosphere. It was like a party was going on. Everyone was bubbly and joyful, and strangers were smiling at each other and patting each other on the back, giving high fives. Just everyone was smiling and joyful. And the judge walked into this packed courtroom, and she stepped up to the bench in her street clothes. And she said, before I put my judicial robe on, I want to address you just um, on a personal level. And she went on to say that she shared the joy that was in the room. She shared the joy, and she was thrilled to be there that day. And then the judge stepped out of the room and quickly returned, now recognizable in the full garb, the full judicial robes, the authority of the law. And then she pronounced that the adoptions of all the families present in the room were finalized and forever binding. The courtroom erupted in cheers and tears as so many precious children were officially adopted into their new homes. And our whole family was there to officially welcome uh, the precious child that our son Josh and his wife Kelly had been fostering since he came home from the NICU 15 months ago. Elijah David Shook. And we've loved him all that time, but now it was official. And there was more love in that courtroom than you can even imagine. And the very same judge who had presided over all the other court dates and seen with a little bit of fear not knowing how things are going to go, she had chosen to reveal her heart as a parent, a heart as a human, a heart of love. I want to tell you something. We have a judge who has done the very same thing. Yes, our God is the upholder of justice, but instead of waiting until the end of our lives, until we stand before him then to reveal his love for us, he already did it. In Ephesians 1, verse 5, it says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. You have been adopted by the king, by the ruler of the universe. And he not only took off his judicial robe, God came to this earth as a baby. He became one of us so that we could relate to him, so that he could go through what we go through, so that we would understand our Father who loves us. He loves you. You are chosen just as those 
precious kids in the courtroom had been chosen and loved and prayed over and fought for. You have been chosen. You are loved. You are fought for. The Lord fights for you. In Hebrews chapter 4, we learn this. Jesus understands every weakness of ours because he was tempted in every way that we are, but he did not sin. So whenever we're in need, we should come bravely before the throne of our merciful God. There we will be treated with undeserved grace and we will find help. There's no need for hiding. Maybe you grew up thinking that God was someone only to be scared of, someone who was uh, you know, out to get you. The discipline the Lord brings in our life is for our good. And in the same way that we, as parents, discipline our own children only because we love them, only because we want what's best for them, that's what the Lord's discipline is. His heart is a heart of love, of passionate love for you. He's fighting for you. And there's no need to hide. There's no need to hide. God is love. He's the one who created love. It's all his idea. And he passionately loves you. And so this Thanksgiving, we're going to sing of our love for him. So would you stand with me? Let's sing our thanksgiving to our God of love. You can be seated. You are the one that God loves. We are the ones that he loves. And so what should our response be? Well, thanksgiving. We give God thanks, thanks, and giving, gratitude, and generosity. See, we have a God who loves us, and there's nothing that we could do in response that would express anything greater than the generosity and extravagance that he has already given us. You know, what can we possibly give that he hasn't given us first? And as we head in toward the end of the year, we will be taking our Heart for the House offering in December. It comes up in December um, in a few weeks on the 18th and 19th, but really you can give any time. For those of you who don't know what that is, Heart for the House is just, we're talking about God's house and his heart and how we can reach out and minister to more and more children and teens and adults in our community and others around the world. You guys are incredibly generous and because of your giving, we're able to share in very practical ways God's love and impact um, just countless people, tens of thousands of people whose lives are changed because of your giving, because of the difference that you make. And so you were given a card about that, looks like this, and you can look at the back of it and see that uh, there's lots of ways to give, and so we just ask you to pray about it. Carrie and I think of this as an opportunity um, a joyful opportunity at the end of the year. Just Our thought has always been in our family that we want to give God the greatest gift. As we celebrate his birthday, we want to, before we get presents for anybody else, we want to celebrate the one who's the giver of all and follow his heart. And so that's what we do. And so you can go to the website 
and um, find all the details, but you can give by cash or check or credit card, or um, you can text give WC to 77977. Another way to give is through stocks and mutual funds. And again, if you go to the website, there on the homepage, um, right there you can click on the give section and it'll explain all about that. But I um, just ask you to pray about that as we head into um, toward the end of the year and many people think about um, just giving and making an impact in their lives. And now we want to worship God with just our regular offering. And so at this time, I'd like for the, the ushers to come and um, let's pray as we have this opportunity, um, one more opportunity alongside our singing and praise and scripture to express our thanks to God. Heavenly Father, how we love you. We thank you that you first loved us. Thank you that you are the giver beyond anything we can possibly imagine because you gave your son. What can we give, Lord, in response to such extravagance? But we just acknowledge right now that all we have came from you and as a token, just a mere token of our, our gratitude and thankfulness and recognition of, of where the very breath to work, the ability to, um, to have anything in this world came from, we give back to you. We love you. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all you've done for us. In your name we pray, amen. As the ushers take the offering, I want to share with you a couple things coming up that are really exciting. One is uh, starting this Saturday, uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we are going to be having the Festival of Lights, which is our fantastic area um, in front um, here with just uh, all the lights, all the joy, all the wonder. And um, it starts this Saturday, and then we can keep running every Saturday and Sunday and Friday um, through the Christmas season. And if you have never um, invited someone to church before, Honestly, it's a great opportunity for a very low-pressure uh, thing to invite your coworkers or your neighbors or the kids on your, uh, on your daughter or son's soccer team to just come to this Festival of Lights where um, you can walk around, um, look at the lights, celebrate with good music, um, worshiping the Lord and share Him with others. Just a fun thing this season. And then our Christmas Eve services are coming up. And on uh, December 22nd, they will begin lots of services. Again, look at the website for service times because um, across uh, campuses and online, we'll have lots and lots of services on December 22nd, 23rd, and 24th. So I hope you make plans to attend that and celebrate with us. Um, again, the gift, of, the gift that has changed uh, our lives and human history forever, the gift of God's Son. And as we close today, we have one more chance to celebrate God together in worship, in song. And in this song, we're going to celebrate what we all have to look forward to. We have celebrated his presence, and we have celebrated his goodness, and we have celebrated his love. And now, let's praise him for the grand destination in store for all of us. If you have asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart, you've trusted what he did on the cross to take the place for 
the death that your own sins deserved, then we're going to be together in heaven someday. And there is nothing in this world, nothing in this broken world that won't be fully restored in heaven. I can't wait. I, for one, cannot wait. It is going to be the best adventure ever. Place of no more tears, no more heartache, no more sorrow. Whatever trail you're on right now, God is with you. He loves you. He is for you. But what's more, the place that you're headed toward is home. You are on your way home right now. Home, a place where you are fully loved and fully accepted. That very real place, more real than the room you're in right now, is in your future. So let's sing to God in thanks and look forward to our homecoming. Hey church, thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.